Escape from Plan A. Just for let's just like forget all the formalities and the and the housekeeping and stuff and just get straight to it. I've got two degenerates, the two G- degenerates from the Discord, Mike and Steve. Those are your degenerate names for the evening. <laughs> That's right. So reporting for duty. Yeah. So Mike and Steve, you guys spend I don't know what is it thirty forty percent of the workday <laughs> uh, looking up uh, looking up you know bit like crypto prices and you know advocating that people pump it uh you guys are like george siegel and uh, elliot gold from uh california split just you know but I mean, but you're telling me what you're telling me both of you is that i'm missing that that i am not seeing either the forest for the trees or the trees from the forest whatever it is i'm missing something here right so, right. Well, so the way that the way that I like to describe it, or or the way that I see it, is, and I and I didn't really come around to seeing this until, like, until mid, like mid mid last year. Interesting. The, okay. You know, the beginning of the pandemic, since I had so much time on my hands. Yeah. Um, was that all this crypto and DeFi stuff was really starting to take shape, like the very early days of the of well, not not like the super early days, but like the middle of the road days of the. Um, the development of the internet and the World Wide Web. So like all of the primitive stuff that, um, you know, both on the commercial side and the open source side started emerging in the late 90s, mid to late 90s. Um, a lot of this stuff reminds me of that, except it's for finance and money instead of, you know, sending packets on. So you think we're actually in the early stages, whereas I'm like, I think we're deep into tulip mania. You know, with well, I, I mean, um, that's that's like a fundamental. Th- there's a fundamental difference of belief here, right? Of does it have real application, or is it just complete, just just psychology, pure psychology, right? And I think if Teen, if you're if you're on the, I mean, if you don't see the potential for a use, like a real world use, then yeah, I mean, it, it, then it's tulip mania. Um, if, if you, if you believe that there is potential for eventual real world application, then yeah, then I would agree. It's late nineties internet. I mean, I believe there's use for crypto assets and blockchain technologies. I just don't think that it's going to be money replacement. And I especially don't think it's going to be non-fiat, you know, sort of like sort of this anarchic bunny. That's the vision I don't. Okay. I should, I should, I should maybe define what I don't believe in. I don't believe that Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Doge, or any of these other sort of um, public blockchain, uh, blockchain-based cryptocurrencies <clears throat> are worth anything. And I don't think that they're going to be useful as any sort of currency replacement. And I don't think that they're going to really be long-term useful as any sort of like wealth store, like gold either. I think it's pure greater fool. I think that because of the level of pump and media attention that it's still attracting new buyers, especially 
buyers that are sure. flush with you know stimulus money, et cetera, small time buyers, but a lot of them. But once you don't find any more buyers, the whole thing collapses, and it's done that several times already. You know, so right. that's what I don't believe in. So, but but okay. But Mike is talking about something different, right? You're talking about you're looking at DeFi infrastructure, the technology infrastructure, and saying that my cynicism of crypto of of Bitcoin, for example is missing some other big thing that's going on if i if i understand this correctly. so the so the, the i think the biggest thing that you or anyone needs to keep in mind is just the the, the decentralized nature of all this stuff right so I, I think the best thing to do is just to like talk about a an example of something that can exist today or, or probably does exist in some form which is um <clears throat> like a DeFi smart contract based insurance policy where you can have something running on a like an ethereum based chain where there's a smart contract that represents an insurance policy against um some real world event that may or may not happen right so like i recently saw an interview with the uh with the founder of chainlink which is an oracle network um and he the, the description he gives is weather insurance so like if you have and this is totally hypothetical it's just a, a, a model to understand the potential of what this stuff can do so you can have somebody that writes a smart contract, puts it out on an Ethereum-based chain. And then what you can do is basically put down or deposit a premium into the smart contract that's contingent upon like the weather conditions in a certain part of the world, right? And, and the smart contract gets its information from a Chainlink Oracle, um, which also has a smart contract associated with it. And that, <clears throat> that those two smart contracts talk to each other and broker um, the uh, actual insurance policy, collect, you know, collection and management of the premiums and then the payouts uh, based upon whatever happens in the real world. So like something like that right now requires, you know, A, you have a bank account, B, you have an insurance broker who's willing to work with you, C, a certain type of capital, you know, a certain kind of political system, a whole bunch of other stuff that like you just take for granted in the US, um, but in other parts of the world might not be so easy. Um, but the other parts of the world are catching up quick in terms of mobile technologies and the adoption of all this stuff, right? And, and you can quickly roll out new financial tech um, in the absence of all that other political tech uh, or political um, economy um, in short order. So like something like that is like a concrete example of something you can do with this technology that isn't just like gambling on coin values or, or whatever, or like, you know, sending funny ass messages about memes on the internet. So like, that's, I think that's like one of the best examples that I've heard of um, in, you know, recently uh, about the potential for this stuff. But, you know, just to give you a concrete example, it's, it's not all just um, speculation and jokes no <laughs> I, I, yeah I, that, that I get it's, it's, it's a good like i i think it's probably to set the stage it's probably useful to just make sure we distinguish and you know separate discussions about let's say bitcoin itself from ethereum and a lot of these smart contracts and other sort of like um other other tokens right um because they, they kind of have like they're, they're based on a similar fundamental technology but um they they have different core features which lend to i think 
very, very different real world use cases. Um, and and I, I mean, we can, we can have like an hour long discussion about either of them, but uh, I think on the Ethereum side, because it has, it's like a distributed computer, right? Whereas Bitcoin, you just, you, you send Bitcoins back and forth and that's basically the whole system. It just, it just mails Bitcoins, like that's essentially all it does. Um, but the Ethereum network can run, effectively run code in a distributed way. And that is what gives the network the ability to execute smart contracts like what Hopper just described, like the um, uh, this sort of like weather insurance contract, right? Which is a clear real world example. Now you might ask, and, and this is this is sometimes, you know, the, 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 the thing with these things is like, you might ask, well, there's nothing that really prevents you today from calling up your insurance broker and, you know, buying a weather insurance contract, right? And it's true. You, like in, in theory, you don't need a blockchain to do that. The blockchain is probably actually a kind of inefficient way to do that, um, given the way that they're structured today. But at the same time, like we all know, the financial system is not, banks are not like the most uh, agile uh, industries in the world, right? They, they tend to be a little bit slow. Insurance brokers certainly are probably even worse than banks. Uh, and in a lot of less developed countries, it's going to be, it's going to be orders of magnitude worse than it's going to be in the US, right? So even the you know, even though you might not need, in theory, a blockchain to execute a, a to have a insurance, a weather insurance sort of network for, say, farmers, um, the fact that it exists and suddenly, you know, it, it means that it's suddenly already there and it's all over the world and everybody can get access to it with just a phone, right? So it's almost like a, it's almost like a form of fintech, right? That just kind of suddenly exists because of this, even though like the blockchain part of it isn't isn't strictly necessary. But this is right? <clears throat> but this is like a leapfrog technology meaning like if we already have all of the old institutionally based, you know, trusted intermediary uh infrastructure built up over you know, more than a century mm -hmm. and we have really deeply you know, tested legal system and you know all this even if it's inefficient, we know for sure it works. Yep. And so I'm like, I'm guessing the theory is that for developing parts of the world that don't have that infrastructure, they can use this to kind of leapfrog the development or adoption of, or even like, like a lot of countries just sort of punt off all of these things over to the UK anyway. It's like, oh, well, these contracts are governed by UK law. Yep. Uh, okay. And instead of, you know, punting everything over well, to the to British courts, they'll say, uh, no, we'll it's just use the, yeah. It's in the blockchain. We'll, we'll right? use a blockchain, and yeah. we can do away with this whole trusted intermediary that's right. and all the right. arcane laws that are necessary for that. Right? That's the what I'm well, getting from this. Yeah, that's sure. That's I think those are the early are going to be the early adopters, but eventually, there, I mean, there's nothing stopping the developed world from deploying <clears throat> on this stuff too, and and using, you know, eventually the laws will catch up to the technology, but the technology will facilitate you know larger and easier transactions um, for the developed world as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the hard part is getting your mind around what this stuff is because I've I've actually sat in on these you know when 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 uh, default or fintech startups that are using blockchain or pitching you know uh, my company sometimes I've had to sit in on those and I think a <laughs> lot of these guys they don't really understand. They understand it in like they've studied it 
and they know like some of the rudimentary technologies and how it works in a way that's like, you know, gonna be a lot deeper than anyone else in that room. Right. Okay. So they can talk about the, you know, this hash or this, whatever it's, you know, um, but they never, they don't really paint out what, what is the essential nature of this tech? What is it about this tech that makes it fundamentally different or revolutionary? And the best that I've come up with in thinking about it is like, you know how they keep saying like, oh, money's going to go digital. Like, I think that's such a terrible way of describing yeah, it. Yeah, that's because not a great way. To... Money is digital. It's pretty bad. It is. Right? It's already yeah. digital. It's already Money's digital. already digital. Yeah. Like, when was the last time you paid, like, a big bill with cash? Like, never, right? Yeah. So when they're saying money's going digital, I'm like, it's already digital. So what? what how does this – what's the difference between blockchain, you know, like, crypto-based money versus digital – you know, what, well, so- it, what we call digital money? Well, so I, so in my opinion, like a, like a centralized blockchain is there's literally no difference than just a database at a bank. It's exactly the same thing, right? Just less efficient, right? Right. right. But but if you have um, stuff that needs to run in a decentralized fashion, <clears throat> like these decentralized exchanges that they're developing, that's where a database just isn't going to cut it because you have to rely on somebody to maintain that database and all of the copies of the database and the backups and et cetera. Right. So, in order, but, but that's so kind of, wait, hold on. But, but that's kind of a, that's kind of the, one of the things that I think is kind of bullshit about Bitcoin now, right. Is if we went with the original sort of utopian vision of Bitcoin, every Bitcoin user should be a node on the blockchain. Isn't that the actual sort of distributed nature of, <clears throat> of the promise of Bitcoin. But if what I'm doing is holding my Bitcoin's omnibus over at Coinbase instead of like my own private wallet, then it's basically what you're describing, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm still going to, I'm, I'm relying on Coinbase's ledger now. Well, well, there's, first of all, there's a lot of exchanges. And, yeah, and I mean, there is, but, so, you know, clearly there's but, a dominant ones but, that right, the so, mass of people yeah, use. Yeah, but I mean, like, I, I mean, I mean the, a lot of people do run full nodes. I mean, yeah, there's a lot more, there's a lot of people mining right, which is running a node. I don't like, I don't know how many different individual miners, mining entities there are out there, but I I don't know what, like a hundred thousand different ones, right? Like of of which maybe, you know, a hundred or 200 are actually of of any significant scale, but uh, that's more than, that's that's way more than effectively the one party that runs the US dollar, right? Which is the US treasury and the Fed together, or the one party that uh, runs the Canadian dollar, right? Or the, and you can get into that whole debate of like the, the roughly the one party that runs the euro. Yeah, but how did we get? Yeah, but th- that's true. But how did we get to this sort of uh, this sort of central bank dominated system? I mean, it started out the kind of same way. I mean, it used to be like okay, uh, you know, sovereign wealth is determined by your physical holding of gold, yeah. and they're like, that's a cool system. It's secure. I, if I have the gold, I have the wealth. But then they're like, wait, wait, wait. But that's 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 not practical. So why don't we all just keep it at sort of like a really safe, trusted, neutral third party, keep it at in New York, New York City, away from all this uh, World War One shit or World War Two shit. And, you know, we'll just we'll just trust that. Isn't that Coinbase? I mean, aren't we? OK, fine. We have this like distributed, uh, I, you know, digital asset. 
But at the end of the day, what do we do? We all end up banking it at, you know, a central spot anyway out of convenience. So everyone's like piling into Bitcoin and stuff. But I'm like, but you're not really using it in a way that is consistent with the fundamental promise of Bitcoin. You're just banking it at at Coinbase, as far as I can tell. I mean, Coinbase is like, they have a lot of mindshare just because they just IPO'd. Yeah. And they're the big exchange in the U.S., but there's like dozens of Coinbase like exchanges. And then there's dozens of, or uh, uh, tens of thousands of people running full nodes. And then, you know, even more, or excuse me, tens of thousands of huge miners. And then even more people running full nodes that are, you know, that, that have the ability to confirm the blockchain for their own purposes. Yeah. But the tra- tendency seem definitely seems to be consolidation. Like, I mean, I, I mean, like, I think if you're, if you're, if you've got a, I don't know, a significant number of bitcoins whatever that is relative to your to your wealth like you're not holding them on coinbase right like mm-hmm. you have a hardware wallet you have some other thing right and you're holding it in some sort of secure location or maybe you're just doing it through like an you know there are etfs and, and that sort of thing now and you know there's sort of like institutional grade custody of these types of assets now i mean like the the ex- Exchanges are very, you know, these these crypto exchanges, I I think they are very pass-through, right? In the sense that, like, nobody really wants to leave their crypto assets on the exchange because there is some severe counterparty risk with that, right? Um, There's that story, like, there was was an exchange uh, very early on. What was it called again? It was called, like, a... Mount Gox? Canadian one. No, uh, yeah, Mount Gox was another one. But there was, like, a Canadian one out of Vancouver. Quadriga, Quadriga, okay. And then... Um, I actually used it once, like way back in like 2014 or something. Um, and then, you know, there, there had been, there were like a hundred million dollars of customer crypto deposits and whatnot on the exchange. And then suddenly one day, like a bunch of them went missing and the founder went missing. And he's just like, oh, oh, I heard about that. Yeah. 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 And then like, you know, they're, they're trying to Did find he go to like guy. India or something? He, 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 he they, they found his body died. in India. They found his body in India. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they um, co-found so, his body, right? The, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like the, I, you know, of course, that was 2014, uh, yeah. and people have gotten a little bit more professional about these things. But you know, even by, like these, people have to remember, like, and and this goes back to the the fundamental nature of crypto and uh, the the nature of the asset, the fact that it is a it is not only a bearer asset, but it's actually a a bearer asset in this in the informational sense, right? Like, if you have the private keys to the wallet, wait, hold on, let's let's asset. let's define bearer, meaning. That there isn't a real name attached to it, physical possession or whatever the equivalent right. of that is in the crypto digital domain is yeah. the sort of source of truth as to who owns this thing is I have it, yes. period. Yes. Right. So mm-hmm. in, in the sense that like physical gold is a bearer asset, right? Like mm-hmm. if I, I mean, I, uh, maybe you can put like serial numbers on it or something, but you can always melt the gold, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if I have that lump of gold, it's mine because I effectively have physical control over it. So crypto is kind of like that, except it's like informational, right? In the sense that, uh, since, well, I mean, Bitcoins are- only I, can, only I can answer questions about it in a Yeah, in, only in I can effectively domain. unlock it, but I unlock it through access to, the terminology is the private key for that yeah. Bitcoin wallet. Yeah. And that private key is just information. If I write that down on a piece of paper and give it to somebody uh, who has it, it's not quite clear, right? Like we kind of both have it. So it, it's bearer in, in this sort of like, 
it's not exactly the same as physical gold because you can't like two people can't have the same one, right? But mm -hmm. in, in in Bitcoin, it's like well, if you if you have if you have this private key information, um, then then anybody can have it, right? So, uh, well, this yeah, leads to like the, serious counterparty you, risk, right? With these right, exchanges. But, but on the on the flip on the flip side of that, if once you deliver it some, to somebody else, that's final. Yeah, it's that's right. Settled. That's right. It's gone. Yeah, which is which is a and that's what I think makes it. Uh, okay, so going back to this idea of digital money, I mean, I think that's why it was such, to me, it's kind of so misleading because this is actually the sort of, if digital money was the dematerialization of cash into digits in a computer network, this seems to be sort of like a sort of almost rematerialization of it, where it's suddenly, although it remains in the digital domain, it now has sort of physical like properties like a bearer asset would and so it's it's almost like it's a digital asset but it behaves in many ways similar in uh, just like a physical asset would meaning it can't be yeah, in two, I mean, it can't be in two places at once uh you know giving it to someone i can't just like you know secretly claw it back by you know fucking with the database it is very much like imposing physical constraints on uh, on digital on on digital assets and yeah, uh, finality, think, right? Yeah, like like Mike was saying. It, mm -hmm. Yeah, the the thing the thing that really like took me a while to understand is it's one thing that has the properties of like several other different things in the traditional world. So uh -huh, yeah. Like at, at first I, I tried to like, is it this, is it that, is it the other thing? But then I realized, oh, you can use this in a number of different ways. So it has many use cases that kind of map onto the traditional world, but it's, it's like all of them. And, and I know this sounds ridiculous. It's, it's like all of the things, but none of the things at the same time. Um, it just depends on how you look at it or, or whatever you're trying to use it as. And also I would add, um, there are second layer technologies being developed and implemented today on not just Bitcoin, but all the other um, uh, blockchains <clears throat> that, um, you know, try to uh, like this lightning layer, li lightning network that they're building on top of Bitcoin is like a, uh, a secondary transaction layer that settles on the first layer, but transacts on a higher layer. And that can be used for like other, like smaller purchases, um, credit card cashback, uh, savings account yield, stuff like that. Yeah, it's meant to trade um, off so speed against security, right? That's that's kind of the right. the fundamental trade off of right. Uh, but I, I mean, like, I, I don't know if people know, but if you want to do a transaction on Bitcoin, I think the the time that it takes to confirm the transaction is firstly it's variable, right? Like you, you don't exactly know, but on average, it's something like ten or fifteen minutes, right? Which is kind of inconvenient if you're if you're trying to buy a you know, trying to buy like a slice of pizza or something, right? Um, so, you know, and this is where you get into that whole discussion about, well, you know, you can't, you know, the, the argument that you can't buy pizza with a Bitcoin, uh, because nobody will take it. And even if anybody did, who's going to wait around 15 minutes to confirm the payment, right? Uh, which is all true. Um, but at the same time, like, uh, I always tell people like, well, I can't pay for, I can't pay for pizza with a wire transfer either. It takes like an hour to send or more. Right. But there's. A credit card that I can use to 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 buy a pizza with, uh, and actually that credit card isn't really sending money to the pizza guy, 
the credit card is sending like a debit against me to the pizza guy and it's going to settle up at the end of the month. Right. But I, I think with like something like this lightning network or secondary layer scaling, you can effectively kind of do the same thing. You can send like credit Bitcoins that, you know, those will settle instantly. And then you'll, you'll, you'll have like this sort of master sweep or master settle up at, I don't know, once every 30 minutes or something like that. Again, and there'll be some, some kind of intermediary party that's operating that the equivalent of, of like Bitcoin's MasterCard. Um, I mean, that can be a way that you can have Bitcoin as both a reserve asset as well as effectively as a daily spending asset as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, OK. Like, the problem, though, is they'll just make it illegal. I think that's pretty clear. I think I don't think they're going to I don't think they're going to accept the sort of like regular flow, like a significant portion of people trying to use this alternative asset in America using I, they'll just make it illegal, I think. Or regulate the living shit. Out yeah, of I think I, I, yeah, I mean, I think that that is a fair point. I, I, I mean, that's probably like one of the biggest risks, right? Like, I, I don't know, yeah. there was that like Dalio thing where he said like Bitcoin's biggest risk is that it succeeds and then it gets regulated to, to shit, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and I think it, it's, it's kind of moving in that direction a little bit, right? Where, I mean, okay, so I, I, I think if you're the regulator, you, you basically have like two options. Option one, you go after it hard. Right, and you try to outright ban it. You try to just like straight up stop it. Another option is that you try to co-opt it, right? Like you say, all right, we're gonna we're gonna make sure that all the fiat on ramps and off ramps to these exchanges, right? Like the sort of the the interface between the crypto and fiat worlds are gonna be completely KYC. They're gonna be totally regulated. We're effectively gonna know who has what bitcoins, and it's gonna be so annoying. Uh, to do anything that's outside of that regulatory domain that nobody will do it, right? So then people will use their PayPal Bitcoin account, but that's attached to their real name. So like it, it like it almost doesn't matter, right? Like you're 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 almost just spending dollars um, from an from a sort of regulatory perspective. Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, I think in a way the regulators are trying to stay away from it because they're like, it's a ticking time bomb, and whenever there's going to be a significant crash in this or it causes some huge problem, like my agency is going to be the one that takes responsibility for it. I think it, there's a little bit of, that's why I think they're a little bit loath to, to take any right initiative on it. They're like, let it explode first, let the public turn on it. And then I'll maybe come in and, and, and take it over. But until it, until it causes some serious damage, I think they're just going to sit around and watch this thing tick. You know? Yeah. I mean, this is, I don't, I don't work in finance. I work in software and tech. So like, I don't have any context for what, actually constitutes a threat to the regulatory bodies. And I, and I, I think I would be <clears throat> lying if I, if I said that that isn't a risk because it obviously is. Um, but I also know that a lot of stuff that was like, okay, remember back in the early days of the internet when people were sharing illegal music and all this other illegal stuff, yeah. movies, and they still are today. I mean, it's still around today, right? Yeah. But lower lower volumes, I think, right? Like it never became sure. the existential threat that they but, said it would. But yeah, well, it, it got it got co opted by the government and by industry. But you, but it, but like, you know, without naming names here, I know plenty of people who still download all sorts of illegal shit. You can name my name. Works. I download illegal shit all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just ev like everyone uh -huh. it, that you know. So it's like, okay, they made it illegal. They, they were suing people left and right in the 90s. Yeah, Individual right. like people were getting sued for 50,000, 100,000, whatever dollars, like with a straight face by 
the RIAA yeah. and MPAA and yeah. all these people, right? Yeah, I met some of those. So lawyers. yes, it, yes, nuts. they made it Ill- like yeah, they made it illegal. But then also now you have ten dollar unlimited all you can eat music, movies, blah blah blah, right? Uh, yes. And all the illegal shit is still av- available too. So these ecosystems kind of just grow in parallel with the sort of traditional industries, I think. And there's always like this shimmer zone where, okay, there's like a huge amount of uncertainty, but then it kind of just levels out. And then the actual use cases get um, refined. They get more defined by legalities and, you know, whatever regulatory uh, constraints okay. there may or may not be, but, and then it just becomes a thing that everyone uses, and everyone totally thinks is no- normal. Yeah, but that that like. example, okay, let's let's take either that, uh, like like torrent, BitTorrent, or, uh, I mean, BitTorrent's a great example because it is also de decentralizing technology, but it lost out to a model of centralized streaming, and. Uh, there was no fundamental change to uh, the relationship, like who was a player. Like Disney is now the the number, you know, either like the number two player. Number one is like Netflix. Okay, Netflix was a little bit of a disruptor, but it didn't fundamentally change or decentralize media. And if you look at, let's say another one is like, uh, you know, GNU and Linux, you know, that had a lot of similar promise in the sense that this was, it was decentralized in the sense that there was no owner of the code base and there could be no owner of the code base as it grew on top of the, the, the fundamental, you know, the kernel and everything. Okay. But at the end, I mean, it's still Microsoft that won out, uh, right. And, and Amazon and AWS and all this stuff. I mean, like with that example, I'm kind of wondering if, uh, BitTorrent and Linux are more analogous in a way to Ethereum, right? Like, cause they, cause I, I think Bitcoin is still kind of yeah. more fundamentally different a little bit, right? Where you can say like, you know, uh, BitTorrent, BitTorrent like, is a technology. Like the Ethereum right? foundation is like the GNU foundation. Yeah, kind of like that, kind of like that. And it's it's kind of like, um, like BitTorrent's a form of technology, a form of infrastructure, but you, you there's nothing to share if Disney doesn't make movies. Right or if, if Metallica doesn't uh, make songs or whatever, um, I, I I don't know if the same logic necessarily applies to Bitcoin, right? Because it it's like, I mean, we, we can talk about these things separately, Rick. Because I actually have this somewhat have a view that at least with Ethereum, the at least the way that it's structured right now, Ethereum can either be it can either be successful or it can be expensive, right? Because it, it's kind of like you need like on Ethereum, you need to have Ethereum to use it, right? Like, cause you're trying to, you're trying to, to, to computations with the, uh, with the blockchain and you need to pay for those computations. Uh, and the cost of those computations is very, very high. So if the cost of computation is too high, nobody's going to use it. And then it's kind of like worthless, right? So in a way, like for Ethereum to be successful, it needs to be very, very cheap in the same sense that, you know, TCP, TCP IP or ethernet enabled the internet. And those things are, like those are fund- foundational, absolutely necessary technologies, which today are free, right? Uh, they didn't really capture the value. The value was captured in the platforms that were built on that, right? So I think that that part is um, still somewhat TBD a little bit. And I think that's a little bit more analogous. Like Linux also didn't capture any of the value itself. I don't know how it possibly could have, but it has enabled a whole bunch of value to be created 
um, but, on, on it as right. well. So, I mean, the, so just to, just to take the history of Linux, like, the, in, so I've been involved in the, in that industry since about 1996, I think. Wow. Okay. And along, along the way there are, and, and my, you mean like on server side part, stuff and using it for yeah, like, like I started, internet infrastructure? Yeah, I, started, I started using it in my bedroom. Mm -hmm. I got a job when I was 15 and at a startup and I haven't stopped since like, mm -hmm. During that two, that I guess two decade period, roughly, um, two two and a half decade period, there were I can remember countless numbers of people that I've interacted with, uh, countless numbers of companies that eventually got yeah bought up, um, per, you know purchased, merged, quit, found a new job at a new company, and eventually you know okay maybe you know Microsoft now has a, a you know a version of Linux and IBM owns Red Hat. And Oracle has co-opted Red Hat into its network, but fundamentally, the people along the way and the technology itself was super successful, and a lot of people got very rich. Oh, yeah. along the way. Oh, for sure. I, that's not. That's absolutely. Linux is a success. I'm saying that yeah. the sort of like utopian, you know, and BitTor BitTorrent as well. BitTorrent. What the idea was that BitTorrent and peer-to-peer -peer distribution would totally take over you know, these traditional, um, uh, the traditional sort of like centralized distribution where you have um, a media giant that has, you know, a huge amount of bandwidth and a huge amount of storage and everyone takes from the single source, the hive. And, oh no, here comes BitTorrent. It's going to totally decentralize content. Content will not be stored in a central place. It will be stored on nodes in a, in a decentralized network and the speed at which that can be distributed around any point in the network is, you know, the capacity for that is so much greater. That, I mean, there it was sold in a similar way, but uh, yeah, like the, the origin, the origins of open source software have a lot. I mean, they're, they're very similar to like Bitcoin and and everything else, right? right? Like, there's this utopian vision, like the Richard Stallman GNU yeah. vision, him and Ibn Moglin over at MIT. Yes. You know, he, had, he was, he was had, a law had, professor of mine, by the way, Moglin. Yeah. He, he was the guy who wrote the GPL and all, and all this stuff. Right? Yeah. And he's, you know, he, it's so, funny cause he's gone quiet. I don't, I, he does, has like no internet presence anymore, but I, I think, he, <laughs> I, I think because he kind of understood that they failed and um, that Microsoft is still, you know, um, a huge power uh, that they could never have. They, they never lived up to, they never got killed the Goliath that they wanted to kill. And I think that's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that this, these blockchain technologies are going to find, are going to make people rich and they're going to uh, change the operations of very large companies, but they're not going to slay any Goliaths is my point. Like, I think that a lot of the utopian social visions and political visions that are attached to this stuff are, it's a lot of hokey dokey shit to me because I, you know, we've seen this before and it never, yeah, the big, I mean, the big all, people always win out in the end. So I don't know if this stuff all, is liberatory. Yes. We're all cynical to a certain point, but, and I'm, and I'm not one of those utopian, I'm, I'm a technologist kind of per person. Right. So I, I come at this, like, this is ex like super interesting technology. I have no idea if the utopian vision is going to win out. I'm not an advocate of that. I'm not, I'm not the raw, raw guy, but I do think that the stuff as it exists today has the potential to change not just technology, but the finance industry like the internet did 20 years earlier. Right. Yeah, I would agree right. with that. I would agree with that. Like yeah. we, I, I actually think, to be fair, I, I actually think to some extent, um, DeFi 
and a lot of this Ethereum thing is still kind of like a, a solution looking for a problem to some extent. Yes. However, it like to me, it feels like there is so much latent potential there, right? That it's likely, and there's so many smart people working on this, and the world is going so much more increasingly digital, uh, all of which is kind of like a positive feedback loop for the use cases of of Ethereum or or you know these sort of distributed uh, distributed computing blockchains that. At some point, you are going to have that killer app, right? Like, I, I don't know if in '95 we could have envisioned like Uber or Airbnb or something like that, right? But like these, or or, or I don't know, whatever else, like Facebook. Um, but there was there was a ton of innovation and a ton of value that was ultimately created based on based on this foundational technology, right? Yeah. I mean, fundamentally, like I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Like, let's take the really because because you're saying. Mike, like, oh, there's, it's six or seven different things. But for me, like the crypto asset part of this uh, still seems to be at a very fundamental level to, that's like sort of the zero level application of the blockchain, right? Is a digital thing, an asset, a string of numbers and and, um, a sort of like unassailable distributed source of truth as to who owns that. And so we don't need JP Morgan. We don't need coin. We don't even need Coinbase. Yes. All I need to do is own the thing, have, have the private key to, to that asset or whatever it's called. But I, I need, there's some numeric proof that I own that thing. And it's like 100%, no questions asked. It's mine. And there'll be no hacking of it. And the rest of the world out there recognizes that it's mine and it's literally maybe sitting on my computer or whatever. Yes. So and it's like- you can verify uh, that it is yours. Yeah. And I want to send it to someone. I send it over. It's gone. Uh, I don't have it anymore. That person has it. It is more or less like I am mailing physical objects in the mail to people, but at instantaneous, sure. more or less instantaneous yeah. speed is- what's going on that's that's where we would be at if if people participated in right. sort of blockchain yeah, okay, so, technologies right so 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 going from so the, the the stage where what that the stage that 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 what you described is describing is when our industry shifted from telnet to ssh right like or 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 rsh to telnet to to or excuse me rsh to ssh mm-hmm. Okay. Like no, I don't know like, what that. I mean, I kind of know what that means, but I don't know the. I don't okay, get so, it. So that means I can get a I can get a remote terminal on a remote machine, but it's not secure, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's before and SSH. A, before SSH, and okay, all of a sudden SSH is introduced, and now I can get a secure terminal somewhere else, and that's the same public key, private key technology, just applied in a different manner to to encrypt a stream of bytes over the internet. That so so like that aspect of it is literally just as just as uh, um, foundational, but like that's 0.01 percent of it, right? That kind of ability to have a secure connection over the internet, dude. That used to be like CIA shit, but in like 1994 or what or what it, whatever it was, that all of a sudden became the standard, and that allowed development of SSL for online e-commerce mm-hmm. 
all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Online banking. Right. With the same exact public, you know, PGP, secure email, blah, blah, blah. So like that stuff proliferated and allowed for a whole ecosystem of secure applications to be built on top of the public internet where you have absolutely no expectation of privacy. You know, it, it went from the, from, from the point where you, you could just assume that your terminal session from your home, your home at your parents' house to your university computer was just open to anyone to read, especially the sysadmins who are monitoring the network 24 seven, all of a sudden too, you could buy a new pair of shoes at Starbucks without really worrying about, um, if someone was going to like crack into your bank account. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. So like just describing the way that a coin can travel secure, you know, uh, or excuse me, like a Bitcoin or whatever can travel securely around is it's like, yeah, that's just like, like this, like this layers, you know, whatever. That's zero, the primitive. Uh, that's like a, the primitive layer. Correct. And then yes, you can correct. do it's, from there. There's a lot of repercussions at higher yeah, layers there's, there's as to what now right, is now available. So, so, right. So Bitcoin and DeFi in general, and all of the other stuff that uh, came out from it, they're just financial primitives. Yeah, right, right. right. So if you, like if these you smart contracts the are primitives in a way too. Yeah, they're, they're primitive. it's JavaScript basically mm -hmm. just running on distributed computing, right? Mm -hmm. So if you look at it as the primitives on top of which you can build very interesting things that have effects in the real world and, and, and yes, existing giants can obviously use themselves and roll up startups and, you know, consolidate industries. Of, of course that that's going to happen unless we have a, you know, complete societal revolution. Um, you know, that, that's the analogy in my mind. That might not be accurate. I'm sure you could poke holes in it. But to me, that's what I see looking back at the last 25 years and then looking forward at the next 25 years. Yeah, that, that, that description helps because I think there's just so much hype uh, and utopian shit around, you know, De DeFi right now and how it's going to liberate us. And it's going to, and I think this is what happened with uh, free software uh, and open source was a lot of like utopian hype and how this would free us all. And it's not, I just, don't, I just don't think that really helps well, people understand what it was. Like right. what exactly is this thing? Well, and it's also, we've gone through the looking glass to the other end or the other side where now we live in a social media dystopia, right? So that doesn't help the situation, obviously. Yeah. But there was a time, <laughs> there was a time when uh, things were looking pretty good. And, you know, that's, that's up to like humanity as a whole to, to figure out as we go forward. But, uh, you know, do you, the, do you guys have like, I mean, I know you guys fuck around with speculating in shit coins. Uh, <laughs> I assume that's for fun. Right. Um, yes. What, but in, in a more serious note, what do you guys see as a potential killer app for this? Do you have any, like, what is so something here's, that, here's yeah. Here's one that I just listened to literally today while eating lunch. There's a, a podcast called uh, the Investor Podcast Network, and they had an interview with the CEO of uh, a company called Fold, F-O-L-D, and they have a Bitcoin rewards credit card and debit card, and they're building out savings accounts for normal people to use that uses Bitcoin and the Lightning Network on the back end in a very interesting way. Um, and that so the, and that really struck me as something that uh, is very interesting, right? Because right now, what, what you, like when you when you when you have a an American Airlines Mastercard, like I do for business stuff, you know, I get rewards points in these AA, you know, my Advantage uh, account, 
that which has yeah. some nominal value and that actually you know depreciates over time but what they're trying to do is attach bitcoin to the in that same model to debit and credit expenses um so that you can get reward points on the lightning network to use in other places so i think that's one potential not killer app but one thing that might drive mass adoption in the next three to five years that i found very interesting and i would encourage everyone to take a listen but that you know that, that's like an example of how you could use it in in a, in a way that's not just speculation or gambling or whatever yeah i would, I would say for my part i would probably split it into a split into two two separate pieces um for bitcoin itself i mean i, I would i think bitcoin itself is the killer app like it is in and of itself that is that is the whole point right um the fact that i mean it's not just the fact that it is private per se which i actually almost think is like a somewhat lesser importance compared to uh two other features which are two or three depending on how you think about it uh which are a it's decentralized uh and very very difficult to attack uh it is effectively unsanctionable right like you, you remember when they and i use this example a lot but um when uh when they killed soliamani um back at the beginning of 2020 when we when the world was very very different um and then i think the iraqi legislature passed some law that was like, trying to kick out like american troops and then the treasury called up and be like well if you kick us out we're we're just not going to let you have access to your bank account here at the here at the treasury or at the fed uh, yeah where all the oil revenue goes to right? yeah which, which is, they actually which, have which, done to which they Venezuela. actually have done right and yeah. or you look at iran or you, you know etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm -hmm. um you know the fact that there is a form of potentially globally acceptable instantaneously transferable store of wealth slash money right money in like the state to state sense that is not sanctionable is geostrategically very very important right like you wouldn't you would have never had yeah. that conversation if iraq was if oil was traded in bitcoins right like the, the conversation would not exist with that you know, that that whole like treasury calling up the, yeah the, the, yeah the, that, that 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 to me is i i agree with you i think that, that is a killer app yeah i think that yeah. like from a, on a state level that yeah. is absolutely a killer app right um yeah. and especially so, given that the us so, has been I would say less magnanimous with its control of Swift in recent years, right? So I think Bitcoin's killer app is the state-to-state -state unsanctionable yes. central bank reserve currency. I think regular people will probably more likely, because Bitcoin's kind of annoying to use, I'll be honest, right? Um, you're probably going to need to see you know these layer two providers like you know uh like the like paypal bitcoin right or something like that to to enable sort yeah, of like the like daily rewards, spending of bitcoin but the the core is going to be you know and there's network effects here but like the core is going to be there's going to be official users of bitcoin out there somewhere right uh and then the second so that's for bitcoin on the second part with um with ethereum to be honest, I, I don't quite know yet what the killer app is going to be on Ethereum. Um, but I, I think to me, so it, it feels more like it's a it's this 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 amazing way to just forcibly disrupt all financial dis, all financial intermediation, right? Because it's all just kind of like it is it is the most scalable way to do it. Because if you have like if you build a fintech technology on Ethereum, suddenly it's global. Right, and it can immediately talk to every other fintech startup that's also operating on Ethereum, right? Um, 
and I think that enables a degree of scaling and a degree of, you know, let's say FinTech A talking to FinTech B without having to go through a traditional bank in any way, right? Like th there are powerful network effects there that we can't necessarily predict like how that's necessarily going to play out. I think there will, I think at some point in the next three to five years, there will be a company that does their IPO on an Ethereum based blockchain and you can buy you, you, I mean, they, they, this has already happened, yeah, this, but this these is, aren't that's, real companies. Isn't that an this is, yeah, I mean, it, but these aren't real companies, right? Like I, I'm thinking there will be some kind of company that does something in the real world that will choose to do an IPO or an ICO on, an, uh, you know, some, some maybe Ethereum or Cardano or something in which they distribute their um, dividends through that system and that any holders of their stock, a, a, aka coin, will just, we'll just be shareholders in the company. Like in, in, yeah, I, I think that old. that kind of already exists. Yeah. Like this, uh, some of these DeFi lending platforms, like Aave or Compound, they let you. So what basically happens is they let you loan. I guess we have to get into all sorts of definitions, but they effectively let, let allow you to lend like U.S. dollar coin. Like there's a there's a there's a crypto of the U.S. dollar which is tied to the U.S. dollar, let's say, uh, and they let a you stable lend that, coin, a stable in coin, the, yeah, in the parlance, in the, right? in the parlance, yeah, and they let you lend those out for interest, right? Uh, and so this is on their platform. They let you lend this out for interest. So you might wonder, well, where is this quote unquote company? This company doesn't really physically exist. It's purely on the Ethereum network, right? Like it, it's not, it's not really a company. It's, it, it's like a series of code contracts that perform the function of a company. And then you might ask, well, who's the shareholder of this company? Well, I, I mean, as for Aave and Compound, they issued, I don't know if it's true for Compound, but I'm 99% sure it's true for Aave. Um, they issued their own tokens. They issued their own crypto coin, Aave coin, let's say. Uh, and holding that coin enables you to get two things. A, it gives you a slice of the interest from the loans, right? So like all, like the, the, the actual lender gets a piece, but the holder of the Aave token, uh, the platform token also gets a piece of that interest. And number two, you get to vote on changes to the protocol. So you get to vote on, I don't know, like changes to how the, to how the lending platform works. You're essentially a shareholder, right? So you, you essentially have right. a crypto corporation that doesn't exist in the real world. It only exists in code and it's governed by those tokens and by the code. Right. And and so, so Mike, uh, I would just add that wouldn't it be interesting if like a company, a, a hot new startup that, I don't know, sells t-shirts or whatever, what if they just did that for their, for their IPO slash ICO and their entire balance sheet was notarized in, or, or accounted for in USDC stable coins and their own stock, AKA their coin and their quarterly dividends or whatever, all their sales on the internet were done with stable coins and they did the entire thing through DeFi. I think, I think that would be a milestone event. And it's interesting to me because I, I do run a physical real world company and that would be kind of crazy if my entire process were completely on this new system. And I, you know, what, I if, but what's the problem with that solve? I think our, our dear, our dear friend, Paul Krugman wrote, uh, a dismissive article recently about Bitcoin, and he said, uh, "As much yeah. as I, as much as I hate him as a curmudgeon, <laughs> he is 
he is at least one of the few so, people that is maintaining a healthy skepticism about this stuff. Sure. And, yeah. and that's great. And, the, the problem that it would solve yeah. is right now, mm -hmm. accounting is a complete nightmare for any company that operates in the real world. Right? Okay. None of the banking records, none of the credit card records, none of the transactional records, none of, none of the uh, QuickBook online accounting or whatever commercial, you know, professional software you use, none of that stuff is integrated. It takes like lots and lots of human manpower mm, mm -hmm. to yeah. integrate all that lots stuff. Lots of manual spreadsheet crap. Lots of manual spreadsheet work, lots of reconciliation, lots of fucking accrual account, like all sorts of weird bullshit that everyone has come up with over the years. Uh, you know, and, and I'm shitting on finance right now, but technology is the same way. It just sucks. You know, software just, but, the, but the, what I'm saying is that the potential is there for this unified system where you can account for revenues, uh, you know, your balance sheet, your profit and loss statement, cash flow, blah, blah, blah. All that stuff can just be programmed um, into a, a, into a single system. But is there, is there a, is, is there a, cause for that to work, you would need a U.S. dollar stable coin that you trust. And yes. the, the tether, for example, is not something that I gather no, you would no, want to pile I, into. I, pers I personally don't trust tether, but yeah, I mean, yeah. no, you know, I mean, tethers, tethers, uh, potentially a criminal scam, right? There's, 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 uh, criminal doubts about tether. I, I would, I would, I would say that it's not, I would just potentially say it's just a shitty system. You well, know, well, like I think I think potentially the problem is that there might not be enough dollars in reserve to back this coin. Right, there could be a digital bank run yeah. and crash. Yeah. I mean, and, and who that, knows? That what I'm saying, like, like, I doubt that you would want to trade actual bank ledger cash for for tether, right? You would need well, a stable I, I think coin that, that you actually trust. That depends who you are, though. That depends who you are. Like, if you're if you're, I mean, if you're in the U.S., uh, the a responsible a business person. Well, sure, but like, if you're a responsible business person in Turkey. Right. Uh -huh. And you, you uh -huh. don't necessarily trust your own central bank. You don't necessarily want to put your USD deposits if you to the extent that you even can into like, you know, your local your local Turkish bank necessarily. You might trust Tether more, to be honest. Right? Well, but but my point is that Tether or any stable coin, you still get back to this issue of I need a trusted, you know, I need a I need a trusted you know, you need institution. A yeah, you need a trusted yeah, like thing. I, yeah. there's no such thing as a completely decentralized U.S. dollar stable coin that has a guaranteed exchange rate of one to one with the dollar. There's no. no there I need no some. Difference. I need some exchange, a, a guaranteed exchange institution. Well, I mean, right? So here, here. I mean, you can and and nothing's going to be more more trusted than a bank. So I'm aren't I just back at a bank? And this is another. I mean, this would be revolutionary, but. You know, in terms of you could you could have a you could immediately convert any USDC or you know let's let's shift forward in time the Fed stablecoin or whatever like a US uh, CBDC yeah and you know into something that's uh, distributed and trusted like Bitcoin you could just like we do all our transactions online and in, in whatever currency you want but our balance sheet is Bitcoin I mean you know th this is it's years possible years like if, I mean there market. could be there yeah. could be like there literally could be Fed stablecoin, right? They'd be like, "Hey, like we they're we working offer on this. it." Yeah, it could be like we yeah. offer this yeah. uh, because we back it, uh, and yes. and you know what? And you know what? For 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 a regulated business, you probably use that one because you're not trying to like dodge anyone, right? So um, see, that's this this is this is a this is a grown up conversation because 
we're we're now admitting that 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 you, the you Fed is still relevant in this world. Yeah, they are. You start off by calling us degenerates. <laughs> <laughs> the, de- the degenerates are the one who who I think use this whole notion of like you know we're going to we're going to enter this is going to bring us to um, a sort of post central bank even a post government world. And no, I'm like, no, no I don't of, nah, really don't think you know it's what, going you know, well. the, the funniest, mm-hmm. the funniest thing is, the older I get, the more degenerate I get. So, <laughs> uh, you know, that is how you will. I started out nice and innocent, guys. I don't know about you. Uh, you're, you're like flea. Um, <laughs> uh, you have more cash to be degenerate with. You know what that's I mean? True. And that's f- true. And fewer, that's true. fewer that's... years remaining to have to pay the price for that. So. <laughs> right. I got to squeeze it yeah, in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think. No, but I mean, look. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, like uh, like Steve was saying, any you know any regulated entity that's going to be you know p- like moving their balance sheet to a vert- you know digital currency is obviously going to use the Fed stablecoin and all of their auditing and all of their blah blah you know all of that stuff is going to happen uh, on that system. But you know there there are millions of people out there like me that don't need to use the Fed stablecoin. If I want to run a small business on the internet or in the real world, I can take any virtual currency anywhere in the world and convert it to a, you know, like some kind of standardized uh, uh, unit of account on my balance sheet and my dividends and pay that out over over DeFi. Oh, uh, that's your, but and, that's your books. But what about your tax books? Your tax books have to be in USD. <laughs> that's the. Sure, that's but the I mean, then you just you you convert your tether to Fed stablecoin and pay. Because <laughs> the IRS yeah, right. will take Fed stablecoin. Right. I mean, right? that, like, that's what we're already, that's what we're already doing yeah. when we're trading virtual currency. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But 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 what I'm saying is, you're, you're eventually you're going to get there. There are just sort of like fundamental attachments that we have to the U.S. dollar that I yeah. we just can't I, escape. So, yeah, let, let me let me clarify. I don't think the dollar is going anywhere. I don't think it's going to disappear at any right, point. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I don't think it's going to be replaced by any any of these. Technologies. I nor, nor do I. And I think. Offer, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think like you guys look at it from a technology, or I think at least Mike, you do. Uh, Steve, I think you look at it from more of like a speculative asset, you know, like potential, <laughs> potential, you know, tradable asset perspective. Whereas I think of it from uh, an issue of trust. I think that the f- core technologies here are about decentralized trusted systems, right? And the real application, the where I think, if, coming at it from that angle, I think the real application of this, the problems that it solves is introducing trusted systems into spaces where there is no current infrastructure for trust. And that's why I think, you know, it's impacts in the existing U.S. financial system are going to be limited. I mean, it could speed. It could sort of offer um, cost savings and uh, and um, fluidity. I think. Yeah, like efficiency right. uh, into existing pr- into processes, yeah. but the fundamental yeah. structure of the system will be the same because we have a very well built system of trust and it works. And there's no reason to dismantle it and replace it with this new decentralized system of trust because it's not solving any problems. And in fact, it might just introduce well, new ones, right? But- uh, Well, I would say that the, the system of trust is the legal system. It's not the financial system in the US. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, probably Yeah, but, that's but that's the thing is like, I mean, ultimately you do want a system where if there is a 
uh, mistake made that you can have recourse against someone on that, right? Like you, you, you yeah. want transactions to be, uh, uh, you can roll them back. You want, uh, you want there to be an authority in case something goes wrong. I don't think we want complete, you know, sort of anarchic, uh, anarchic systems, but where we don't have trust, that's where I think blockchain is really helpful. And what you mentioned, Steve, about uh, the relationship uh, it, between sovereign banks, so, so between central banks of sovereign countries, there is no system of trust. And basically, it's the United States. Yes, effectively, right. yes. Effectively, and so, as the global reserve currency, I think that's what global reserve currency means is... Right. So there's this... Yeah. So there's this guy, um, his name is Luke Groman. He's a macro analyst that I've been listening to, listening to. And he says that the, um, he, he's been, he's been uh, describing a, a, a dilemma that the United States is facing, right? Like on the one hand, the US, yeah, we, we have the global reserve currency. That's awesome. Um, everything's priced in dollars. Gold, uh, you know, basically gold is priced in dollars. Oil is priced in dollars. Um, imports are priced in dollars, exports are priced, like everything, there's the euro dollar system, you either have access to dollars or you don't, right? And he says that this is actually becoming a liability for the US in the, in the sense that it tends to devalue other currencies, or at least, the, you know, uh, the exchange value of other currencies. And so the US is kind of forced in an open in the open market, free market system that we have to uh, bring in exports from other countries. But that but what that means is we ship out dollars to other countries. And, you know, we haven't even mentioned China in this discussion, which is kind of amazing, but that actually is uh, very remarkable. I, I would not yeah, have guessed it's, it's an hour. Quite, it's, <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's kind of crazy. Um, but anyway, so who ends up with most of the dollars, Europe and China, right? And Europe is ostensibly an ally. China is ostensibly not. However, China uses those dollars to do things that the U S doesn't want to do, including, um, buy shit all over the world that the U.S. is then forced to protect because everything's denominated in dollars, protect with their military, and so there's so so he he his thesis is that the chi that uh, China is doing a a a, 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 a I don't know I forgot his terminology but some kind of like runaround right like they're kind of doing a, a fucking uh, like a judo move using the dollar against the U.S. so that the U.S. Yes. has to Continue, continue spending more and more on defense to defend the shit that China owns. Meanwhile, the middle class of the U.S. is being hollowed out over decades. And this is a fucking problem for, for like people all over the U.S., obviously, right? Just, just on, a, like a, just on a, like who gains, who loses basis. And this is obviously going to cause all sorts of friction in the future. So there's a contingent. He, he, his thesis is there's a contingent of people, mainly defense, but you know, there's other people in the U.S. that say, "Look, the the, the dollar hegemony." Uh, <clears throat> um, uh, God, reserve currency status is no longer is, like cannot be defensible for more than a couple more decades before this shit is just going to go haywire, and and all sorts of incentives are going to get like go wacky. Yeah, right. So yeah, so I think there, that's right. I mean, actual, I mean, because like, think about it. Like, possible, we we have to set up a system where. I mean, it used to be that the United States was sort of like the Switzerland of the world, right? Like we were seen as, you know, remote from the real dirty, dirty in, you know, in Europe. 
and Asia, where it was just chaos and shit. And they were like, okay, America is this sort of really trustworthy Anglo-Saxon society and they have, you know, good commercial law and, you know, and all this stuff. But now it's like, oh shit, like we, we have all sorts of interests around the world that is very like, like we're, we're not just like this removed neutral country. We have like active interests in the world, but yet we're still playing the role of neutral banker. So it would be like, you know, if JP Morgan was, you know, like if you, if you were in like some sort of like family feud with your local bank branch and they were, they just got mad at you one day. So, and then one day you showed up and they're just like, yeah, you can't access your account today. Right. Like that's kind of the situation that the U S is in. And, uh, it's, yeah, I, I don't think it's defensible for, for the, I mean, not, not even because of the American economy, but also just because, like, you know, I don't think the world wants to bank with the United States anymore. I don't. I don't think the world yeah, wants but, the yeah, dollar. I, I think it's a bit of a well, devil's I, I, bargain, well, right? Because think... the dollar spends so well, and uh, like, yeah, U.S. But it doesn't. Are... But it doesn't in a way if you're China, because it's like, okay, what can you do with it? You can buy well, soybeans. I mean, you can buy you, pork. Yeah, but, you can buy. But can you buy? Can... Amer- can, can you buy Intel? No. No, can, like, sure. Do you buy but stuff like, you nobody, really want with that yeah, money? Yeah, no, nobody can. But like, you can, you can, you can buy like, you can buy. I don't know. You can buy shit from Australia. You can, you can buy certain things, right? And to be, and the thing is, but you can't buy the good shit. You can't, you can't buy, buy the good shit. But there's, this is the only. You can't buy the only thing that you can buy anything with. Because if you show up with rubles, you're not going to get, you know, you're not getting an audience, right? Or you show mm-hmm. up with right and, and, with CNY, you're not getting an. Maybe you get some audience, right? But. You know, the dollar spend right. Really so the long money. game, the long game is you purchase influence with dollars and then eventually replace it with your own, whatever called. I don't know if it's called a reserve currency, but other standard currency. And then over time, this this winnows away the dollar, especially if the U.S. is actively sanctioning people. Yeah, out I think of the, the U.S. is kind of undermining <laughs> its own. Yeah, you know, it's its own advantageous position with respect to controlling the global financial system, because then people like even if you right. again with Iran, right? Um, after, you know, the Europeans set up their own payment system, that's not swift. Europe, might I add, like Europe, you know, like NATO allies here um, to get around the Iran sanctions so that they could do business and make payments, right? Like people are right. There are cracks showing. Right. With oh, those. I mean, no, I mean, like so- Deutsche Bank and all, you know, all these European banks. Like we just abuse the fuck out of them. If you yeah, look yeah. at like the history of fines that we've leveled against Deutsche, I mean, it's like we're trying to destroy them. It's crazy how much. I mean, they're they're sick of us. And the thing is, we don't give a shit because you're like, what are you going to do? Run a global bank without being in New York? Are you kidding me? Yeah, exactly. Are you, you're not going to participate in the U.S. dollar market. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's it's yeah, a yeah. very. I think it has made us lazy and corrupt. Because it gives us such enormous power that we just basically have no discipline anymore. And I think I it's, mean, that, that's where like things like Bitcoin could be at very least a, a, a disciplining influence to some extent. Right. Like the yeah. But you, you know that the U.S. dollar stablecoin, whatever proposal that the Fed comes up with, is not going to come with features that no, somehow that won't. relinquish that won't. fundamental central control of that US won't. dollars. But right? I mean like yeah. the threat that right. Bitcoin could become a legitimate interbank currency or an intercentral bank or interstate currency could keep people honest. Like even going back to the, you know, this is this is my own opinion, but you even going back to the, like that whole uh, argument about Napster and and you know Linux and whatnot, um 
like media streaming's kind of not so bad these days, right? Like you get a fair amount for your $12 a month or whatever. Yeah. And Windows 10 is not bad. I actually think Windows 10 is not bad. Much better than it used to be, right? So like maybe maybe this is the result of the, you know, disciplining influence of a potential alternative. Right? As yeah, to over the course of de- over the course of decades it, it may be a net good and 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 yeah. I would just you know, add to to what I was talking about that the third leg of this guy's thesis was basically like at, like once the system becomes untenable in the next several decades one possible relief valve would be something like bitcoin or bitcoin itself where you float oil and gold and whatever um against bitcoin instead of the usd and the us just like slowly relieves its burden of becoming or of being the reserve currency and all of the military spending and the hollowing out of the middle class and all of this stuff and things just kind of eventually go back to normal where things are where things are more balanced and you can choose to have cheaper oil if you if you're an energy or natural gas or whatever if you're an energy producing company or uh, your you know your car or your automotive exports become more balanced all of your you know commodity exports become more balanced everything just becomes more balanced because it's weighed against this neutral thing that people all over the world are are are, are it's kind of like the gold it's yeah. kind of like the gold standard again right it's like yeah, yeah it's but, like a new but, gold it, but it's digital right and it's you know what would be brilliant if we set up an international like un type bank that was the sole purpose of it was to back a gold backed stable coin and we're just back to the gold. We're just back immediately to yeah, uh, you know, pre World War One. You know, yeah, the, the back to that whole. I have um, if anybody wants a maybe maybe it's only finance nerds like me that that enjoy this, but there's a great book called Lords of Finance, which talks about like that whole era after the First World War and you know all the European powers trying to get back on the gold standard and the uh, uh, a lot of the economic devastation that caused, which you know in some part directly led to you know, the whole Weimar Republic era and so on and so on, which, you know, eventually led to Hitler's rise. But uh, just a just a thought on the on the book suggestion. I think a part of Lords the problem of Finance. With Lords of Finance, yeah. It's it's it actually came out like almost ten years ago now. It's a great book. Um, on that I just want to make a comment on that. Um, you know, will will the US be able to relieve itself to a degree of the of the I'll put it in air quotes like the burden of having the global reserve currency. I mean, I, I think the uh, there's a lot of hysteresis in these kinds of systems, right? Like people still hold sterling, like British pounds, as an FX reserve, which is which I find to be rather comical. Um, like that that country has gone in the shitter. Uh, it's completely. But they useless. have a good legal system. They, they do have a, have a good legal system, sophisticated which you, legal system, and your legal fees can easily be paid in basically any currency, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but sorry, where was it going? Um, they, I think the U.S. dollar is, you know, just through essentially "quote unquote" market forces or political forces, geopolitical forces, is going to lose influence, but it still remains by far the dominant one. But I think it doesn't, you know, I, I think it's one of those things that if it does lose reserve currency status, it's going to be a slow grind followed by like a sudden collapse, right? Where because I mean, people talk about the game theory logic of this, where everybody holds dollars and nobody wants to dump dollars because they're kind of afraid of it, right? Because it's like it's all kind of in everybody's mutual interest right now in a sort of metastable point to just kind of pretend that it's all okay and just keep using dollars. It's like I know I'm paying for this shit with shit, 
Um, but the other people will accept it because they know that they can hand it off to some other person, right? It works. It, the fucking it works. works. It works. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crappy, but it works is basically the logic, right? But at some mm-hmm. point, people will be like, hey, there's this better thing. Let's all go rush, right? And it's going to be like this slow, slow, slow buildup and then like an absolute just catastrophe. And in this, I, I have to look at the history a little bit more, but I think for the UK, this was the Suez crisis where I think after, I could be totally wrong. I could be misremembering this, but after they got basically bent over uh, in the Suez crisis, the sterling fell like 25% in a day, right? Um, and, you know, Damn. like this world, like we're hypothetically talking about Bitcoin to some extent taking over or anything else to some extent taking over, I think the U.S. and the the average person in the U.S. is going to suffer tremendously immediately right after. It might be better in the long run, but you're, there's going to be a clean out period, right? Oh yeah, where, like we're living so a, beyond our. You're means. living so far beyond your means, and you're gonna. Yeah. You're, and, and it's been like. And isn't the current account deficit exactly the measure of how much we're living beyond our means? Isn't that yeah, pretty basically, basically it's, right? And it's, it's, it's all, it's all the, the chickens have integration come home to roost. of all the yeah yeah in like a year, right? So. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be horrendously painful and it's going to be a reset. Uh, and you can, you can almost say it was like um, sterling against us dollar. Like it used to take $5 to buy one sterling. Now it's like what? 1.4 or something. I should know this. 1.41. Yeah. Okay. Not bad. So, I mean, that's a, uh, that's a significant decline. I think the prop, I think the problem with this stuff is like when you, when you look at it solely through a financial lens, and sort of side, sort of like black box, like oh, it's going to be painful. But once it breaks out of the financial system and it becomes like social instability, then who gives a shit about finance? At that point, it's going to be like you know, civil war and yeah. nukes and yeah. stuff, it's, right? It's going like, to be, it's yeah. going to be chaos. Yeah. yeah. Like once you're out of the financial domain, you're into sticks and stones and bombs. You know. Um, yeah, I mean, like the the these are kind of inextricable in the extremists, right? They're they're linked, right? Like, which uh, is why we're we're riding high. Like, it is kind of unfair that Americans, uh, you know, consume so much yet produce so little, and we basically just we don't even print money; we just create it out of thin air. But the alternative seems to be worse, uh, at least in in the sort of like aggregate view of it. Is is like okay for now. You remember it's still the, uh, tolerable. The Americans are shit, but they're not fucking with me right now. And you there's know, no alternative to some extent, right? Yeah. Or at least there's no viable alternative yet. Yeah. So which is, I don't know why we're pushing stuff with China so hard. I'm like, why, why rock the boat? It can only hurt us. You see, they're on the up and up. We're 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 the ones in the precarious position, not them. Why are we fucking? Why are we trying to pick a fight here? I don't know. Uh, it's it's. I don't really get that well, strategy. I- well, like I, I said, I, th- I think there's two major, um, I, and, I, and I agree with that guy's thesis, that there's two major uh, factions inside the U.S. government that, you know, are trying to maintain crazy hegemony and pump up military spending to the moon. And then there's another side that says, wait a minute, this is just not tenable unless we all want to fucking go to war. I think that's right. Yeah. And I think that it was – it was. Um... That famous, well, not famous, but the one that I paid a lot of attention to, that Kieran Skinner thing, where she was at State Department. She was basically saying that prior to uh, prior prior to Obama and his pivot to Asia, the relationship with China was basically owned by the Treasury. So, a State Department and Treasury that were working really hand in hand, 
in terms of managing that relationship. And I think that was the faction that was more like pro-trade, try to integrate them into the system. Let's not antagonize them too much. Let's work it was, with them. It was the Hank Paulson era, right? Like, Yeah, I think so. It was like, let's all get rich kind of. Yeah. And then yeah, Obama, who was, who was actually, you know, in a way a lot more hawkish, uh, that's when the Pentagon and the CIA and stuff sort of kicked Treasury to the side and told State Department, no, we own the fucking relationship. And so they've been sort of the ones that have owned the agenda. And so the financial people are sort of, you know, sidelined here, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, Yellen, you don't, you don't never hear about Yellen. You always hear about Blinken, yeah. right? Yeah. Yellen yeah. doesn't, you know, she's, she's not really running, running shit. Yeah. That's a, that's so. a good point. Cause in the, um, in the post, even, you know, even in the immediate post financial crisis era, it was a lot of, you know, you remember Timothy Geisner? Yeah. Right? He was the man. Yeah. He was running shit. <laughs> it was Geisner and, and, and Paulson yeah. before him and, yeah. uh, you know, Bernanke and yeah, to, today, today Yellen is like, uh, I don't inflation yes no what's your opinion before it was greenspan and rubin and you know those guys running the entire fucking government you know and now it's totally gone back to deep state cia type shit and you know pentagon pentagon and cia funded think tanks and stuff and and the financial people are totally sidelined let me ask you this as as finance guys who are way closer to this than i am do you think all of this Stimulus and money printing and all this stuff is that are they are they is this like a power move against the other the other side of government or is this something that they're doing at the request of not the request or you know like do they have to do this just to I mean, I, to keep shit level I, I, I think or like, what, like what's going on there I mean there's, there's a whole bunch of elements there's the there's to some extent a necessity but also the ability to do so. Um, We've, we've kind of moved from an era where the primary mode of financial stimulus or of economic stimulus, I should say, uh, has moved from a purely central bank operated mechanism uh, where they lower interest rates and then buy bonds. And, and, you know, that was almost like the Reagan sort of trickle down stimulus, so to speak, uh, and has now moved to a very, very fiscally driven, i.e. Uh, we won't, you know, we'll buy bonds, but the treasury is also going to like issue those bonds to us us being the Fed, um, they're, the treasury's gonna, they're, yeah, they're gonna coordinating, now. right? So now mm-hmm. like the treasury is gonna be like, okay, I need some money, Fed, and the Fed just gives them some money, right, through the purchase of a bond. Right. Uh, and the Fed, the treasury is gonna direct exactly where that money goes. Um, and I think this is, to some extent, it's just like a policy wonk realization that, hey, we might, we need to, and we can do this, right? To some extent, there's the political will now uh, to just spend, 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 given, given what COVID was, given, given COVID, right? Um, but again, there's, there's the ability to do so because not that many countries can kind of get away, I would argue, with this degree of... Um, not, not the EU. Profligacy. ECB can't do it, right? Not, not uh, like, they can't, they can't match on the fiscal side. They have they have political constraints in terms of matching on the fiscal side. I think the ECB is actually probably in a better position than a lot of countries. I, I'm more thinking like you know smaller emerging markets, right? Oh, right. Well, yeah, that, no, they're screwed. That just can't. They're just screwed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like because yeah. like yeah. yeah, I'm gonna print Turkish lira and yeah. we're gonna yeah. try and buy oil with that. Like nobody wants yeah. that, right? Like euros yeah. are still decent, right? Yeah. So right. Um, right. So it's kind of like that, right? Do Do you think that's why a company or a country like Turkey is going through 
crazy inflation right now. Yeah, yeah, because they, like they get totally. inflation because they, if they print, I mean, the Turkey's always had some issues, but like you know, if you're an emerging market and you print money, nobody wants that, right? Uh, right. Because, but if you're the U.S. and you print money, other people are like, hey, I got richer, right? <laughs> like because right. they measure their wealth in dollars. Like everything is so dollar centric. Right. Yeah. So and I and I and the other thing is like. If you look back just in recent history, like finance people in government are not as conspiratorially minded as like Pentagon and CIA people that literally are, you know, evil geniuses or evil idiots, I'd say, like, you know, (laughs) playing, you know, through 4D chess or whatever. But like finance, you know, I think the Treasury and, you know, the Fed people and the financial regulators are more or less just straight up technocrat bureaucrats, you know, and yeah, they're, they're looking at data and pulling levers. I I really think that that there's not much more to it than that. And I think, yeah, they're button pushers. And I think that they are purely looking at econometrics. And I think in this case, COVID is an unprecedented thing. And I think that their thinking is, it's like antibiotics. It's like, I don't know what the exact right dose. I don't think there's any way to know what the exact right dosage of fiscal and monetary stimulus is, but we know, and I think that they had pre-planned this. Like they talked about this since since oh eight oh nine, that it is probably better to go in with a much bigger package than needed than one that's too small, because they looked and they said the problem with you know oh eight and and such was that we did not match on the fiscal side in a big enough way, and so growth. It just took too. It just took too long to get back on track. Yeah, yep. and this time around, uh, you know, I think they were like, "Yeah, we're not going to make that same mistake again." And we we're would much rather, stocks, right? yeah, we would much rather like stoke, you know, near term inflation, um, than than get this too small. Yeah, yeah. I so agree. that's that's what I think is going on. I, I don't think it's nefarious, but nor do I think it's a it's an existential threat to the dollar. I think that's a lot of bullshit. Um. You know, I, I I don't I don't know if we're in a in a very dangerous spot or anything, but I mean, I I would say on that front, I think the threat, the potential threat comes from the fact that uh, to some extent Congress has the reins now in spending now, and may begin to feel like it has unlimited writ to spend, right? Yes, um, yeah, right. And and every politician loves to spend money, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. it's just gonna. Well, they, you know, they just you, you, they just knocked that two trillion dollar infrastructure bill down to like one trillion. So they're they're still tight wads. They're still they're still to some extent they may be tight <laughs> like wads. That, that's that's I mean, fucking too yeah. small. I'm sorry. Like that's not a that, that is too that's small. That's not a, too small. one trillion give dollars. Time. Give it time. Give it time. Yeah. For the entire fucking country. Over eight years. Yeah. Over eight years. Yeah. Jesus. Come on. Yeah, that's like a that's like a normal infrastructure. That's like nothing. That's really nothing. Yeah. That's that's very very small. That's very very small. Yeah. But give but whatever, it give it time. Like all the give previous like highway bills and all that. Sh- like stuff. that's the thing. Like we we know both parties love to spend money, right? Whether through spending money or yeah, whether through despite tax what cuts, they say, right? they they, like, all, they all love to spend money or just on different things and in different ways. Right. So, um, I think the 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 there is some risk that everybody that like you know people get used to spending money. It just keeps going up, right? Uh, and nobody has the political capital to rein it in when it does, even when it does become a problem. So, so end of short story, long story short, it it seems like the U.S. dollar is not under real existential threat. Would you say? I, I don't. I'm not. A I, I don't think it's I'm, existential because yeah. I don't see an alternative. Not, but yeah, you know, am I relatively bearish on the dollar? Sure. 
Right. Oh yeah, over the long run, right? Not yeah, yeah. yeah. The, you know, it's it's yeah. I, I still want to buy I some mean, property yeah, in China. I mean, I think that would be a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the ultimate hedge. <laughs> yeah, so like, you want to? I think you want to have some assets in China. You want to have some global diversification. I would say. I mean, yeah. that's that's the other thing. Like, you can even come back to Bitcoin. Like, I, I find a lot of folks, um, especially those who live in the in 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 the U.S. or in, in Canada, upper Canada, the same bucket. Like, you know, they kind of invest very very much in the same couple of things. It's very home biased, right? It's like all their assets are in like Nasdaq. Like, and which is a very millennial thing, but it's it's basically all that. Like, okay, I mean, I get that it's done great, and you know, good for that. And I know that you really love Tesla or whatever, but there are other things in the world in which you can invest, and it may be prudent to diversify a little bit, whether that's into other countries or other asset classes, or into crypto, right? Because it's it's like, yeah. Do you? I mean, there's a there's a question of the degree of belief. You you may think it's you may think it's destined to fail, but there's like a ten percent chance that it succeeds. And if it does succeed, like, don't you want to have a little bit of it? It's, but it's like going to the gym and everyone's hopped up oh. on steroids and just buff as shit, and they're barely doing anything. And then you're the guy that wants to do fundamentals. Yep. You're like, let me get down there, and you know what I mean? Like, let me do this. It's, I mean, I'll, I'll be back in I'll be back in thirty seconds. Sure, there's sure. no respect for the fundamentals, right? Um, Everyone's all juiced up and, uh, you know, on volatility and leverage and stuff. And uh, I mean, yeah, there's just a trading there's shit coins. There's, and- there's a degeneracy aspect to it. Um, and obviously, this is this is not financial advice other than to say, uh, you know, there, there needs to be I mean, there needs to be some filtering away of. Mm-hmm. The hype to get to like what is the real negative truth here like i i think for me like i when the first person who told me about bitcoin was like uh somebody this was like 2014 or something uh and i was like i saw him i was like you're very you're very excited about this but what you say sounds like bullshit right it, it literally just sounded like bullshit right because in 2014 i like i couldn't i literally could not process this so i kind of had to like go back and to the studs, so, so to speak, of like, okay, well, how does Bitcoin sort of fundamentally work from a technical perspective from the ground up, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I did, I literally went to a Coursera course online and did, a, <laughs> did half of a course on cryptography, yeah. right? which, which mm-hmm. I think was foundational to, to understanding this. And like once mm-hmm. that happens and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. This but see, how, I still you know? think that fundamentally it is, there's no other way to see it than just a transfer of wealth from buyers to sellers because there's no wealth being created. There's nothing. It is not a productive, useful, it is not a productive asset. So, so what is it? It's, it's well, nothing, but, I mean, but store of, yeah, it's, it's a, buyers it's a giving money to sellers. It's a form of technology well, that, hold on. that it's a, it's a store of wealth with very, very nice features. Wait, 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 wait. Let's not assume it's a store of wealth. Let's it, not. Okay, fine. It's a potential <laughs> store of wealth. It is a potential store of wealth. Well, well, let me, so, team, this is, this is something that I've always had a question with, okay. with economics itself. What, what isn't a transfer of wealth from buyer? Uh, let's or, say a uh, stock. Buyer let's say a stock or a bond. It has a, it has an inherent intrinsic value in the either the dividend of the stock or the degree of control that it gives you over a productive company. Right. So there there is something productive behind that security. Um or if it's okay. a bond, there is sure. a there is a debtor. Yeah, a coupon. Yeah, there is yeah. a debtor who is a presumably a productive business that is 
uh, legally like it's obligated gonna, it's to gonna pay, gonna a pay you interest. It's going to pay you interest, whereas Bitcoin will not. Right? Yeah, I, yeah. I understand. Yeah. I understand. But Bitcoin, that. there's right. nothing. It's it's like it is like gold in the sense, but not. Yeah. But it's not even a material, and so. It, it, but what it, if? But what if the? But what if the value is that it is a rock solid indicate or a uh, what's the word? Uh, a a solid. Um, it's something that allows you to track other value. Rare. You know what I mean? Well, it, what other value does it track? I think the only thing Bitcoin really tracks. Anything. Well, I think fundamentally, Bitcoin. The only thing it tracks is who owns the Bitcoin. The other uh, thing that okay, Bitcoin right, has is like, there is why, a there why, is a does, hard limit on how many bitcoins. Is that is that not is that not value? That is a, yeah. A, it's like there's no intrinsic value to that. I I mean, sure, but there's no if intrinsic that's the value case, to gold. then then every, if that's the case, then every bit then every crypto coin should be valued at, at the same. Like, why was if if there's no if there's no inherent value in track in tracking value and having a general ledger that's available to the pub, available to the public and doing transactions on, then what the hell does my four or five accountants that look at my book do all day yeah, like, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. well you're you're running a productive business you're you're actually providing no, but he doesn't services. even have to be he can he can be a bomb and still have five bank accounts right like like, yeah, we have to like, distinguish between, like I, money so, and securities are different things right correct correct yes but money money is see that that's why okay it's a, it's a special why, token it's a special but, token. but yes but i think every even the believers have given up on the idea of Bitcoin as money in, in the sense that it is not transactional. Well, yeah, Maybe okay, with this you, lightning network thing, I don't know, but no, I think, I, I think you, most you have people def- have given up on that idea. And no, say but, it's, now I, I it's think you have, to, you have to define like, like, what do you mean by money? Okay, fine. Tra- store a tra- a, a, fine, a, fine an store everyday ball. transactional like, token. No, okay. Pizza, maybe pizza, maybe pizza it won't money. be that, but I don't think it needs so to be that. So you're saying there's no value in a global ledger? No, no, no. I'm saying there's no inherent value to Bitcoin, meaning... There's no way to price it. How do you price Bitcoin that other than purely through the psychology of people? There, there's no objective measure of how much one Bitcoin should be worth. You know, I, I think you need to flip this around, right? Because like, that, what if I a stock paid that. dividends in Bitcoin? Then you price it in Bitcoin. You value you don't value Bitcoin in something. You but but a stock wouldn't pay. But stock wouldn't pay dividends in Bitcoin unless it was a productive business. It, well, it stocks pay, stock, well, yeah, stocks I, pay yeah, but, dividends in so dollars. I, and dollars I, you know, mm-hmm. how would I how would I price the products and services that I offer? There is no there. There's no like you're, well, it's atomic it, number. No, well, it depends on what your customers <laughs> are willing to pay, and that yeah, that exactly. is relative. Let's say okay, so you're providing tech uh, back end technological serv- uh, computer uh, network services, yeah, cloud, let's cloud, say. Shit. cloud shit. Yeah. Okay, I mean that's going to be how much they pay for that is going to be dependent on the budget. That gets us. That gets uh. That 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 all that I'm, they give to their all I'm managing to their CTO. All I'm managing for them is all I'm managing for them is CPU cycles and fucking a fiber optic networks. Yeah. yeah well, you're being reductive about it. Sure, that's not much. But what I'm saying is but, that the businesses you're selling to have a you know a profit driven model of doing right. business, but, and they have a budget that they gave to their CTO that is commensurate what with what their revenue is. And then but what I'm doing, mm-hmm. but what I'm doing fundamentally is managing compute cycles mm-hmm. in a deterministic way for them so that they know when they wake up in the morning, their shit's going to be there. Yes. And it, the, 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 there's no Flip. like fundamental quote unquote fundamental value. Like there's no like table of elements to what I'm doing. Yes. But for here. purposes of operating their business. I don't right. think, and so, I mean, my, my argument mm-hmm. for, for Bitcoin is that 
it is a distributed computing network, which is CPU cycles and bits on the network yeah. that tracks in a deterministic way, in a, a quote-unquote unbreakable deterministic way, who owns what and where and how. Yeah. I, and yes, that price will fluctuate. My prices fluctuate too. I, I can't. I can't count on one customer being there or closing a, ne- a deal the next day or having it be a certain price or, or what have you. Yeah, but but what I'm saying is that when when okay, I mean, let's be realistic about it. If someone okay. made a million or ten million dollars off of Bitcoin, they didn't make that money because they operated a business using Bitcoin. They didn't take the or the value of the ledger uh, of the ledger functions provided by the Bitcoin network. They were they did not integrate that into I would say a that business that generated revenue. What they did was pr- would, predominantly is they bought at a low price and they sold at a high price because there were later buyers down the road that were more willing to pay than than uh, than 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 the holder was. I would say that they participated in a price discovery mechanism, just like any other thing that they would have bought or sold. And what they choose to do with it, they could have burned it. They could have just said, "You must have been prepared by lawyers for a deposition before." That's like that's like the perfect deposition. That's the perfect deposition answer. Is like I would have said. (laughs) I I think you're thinking you're thinking of this in like very very dollary terms, right? Like I I, I almost say like look if you if you bought a if you bought a no if you bought like a a condo in China and uh, and. You didn't live in it. It was just kind of there. And CNY rallied twenty percent. Then you sold it. You made twenty percent in dollars. Was, like, okay. was there was there no yeah. you know was there no productive? I guess not. I mean, I guess you could have lived there. Or I mean, something, like, like, you, the thing is, like, who cares? I mean, it's kind of like who cares? Like, I, I get what you mean with okay. Well, Bitcoin's not a productive asset, and gold is not a productive asset, and, and you know. Um, but gold actually, is paper, a material asset, which I think is a little bit different because people actually want to have gold for gold's sake. Yeah, they have I gold really don't gold, think well, I really don't think there are people who want Bitcoin for Bitcoin's sake. I don't think there are people who go at home and every day look at their their the you know their no, bitcoins and are like. Here's the thing. I think I think there are Bitcoin nerds who want Bitcoin for Bitcoin's sake. They just like how it works. Maybe so. they just I maybe, but true. I think that's but true. still fundamentally, everyone who has made money off Bitcoin at this point, except for a tiny fragment of people who use it for example the people who took over the uh, colonial uh, pipeline they got paid 90 million dollars in bitcoin uh as a ransom I mean, so that's okay. a productive yeah. use but <laughs> i mean they could have ransomed any you can you yeah, can ransom with ransom anything any right you could ransom with yours. no because yeah, you be- well because the bitcoin they can't be traced right that was the idea they can't be traced. I, I think they ultimately you know what traced, people used to what yeah, people used to yeah, do yeah, that well, with was a uh, thousand euro notes Right, because you could you could move a million dollars inside, like you know, something less than like a centimeter thick. Ah, uh, we got serial numbers on those motherfuckers. They got serial numbers, but they still spend. Nobody checks, right? You mm. just walk into like some place and and whatever. But I mean, like, sorry, where where are we getting with this? Uh, Bitcoin <laughs> being, I'm saying Bitcoin is yeah, like, it, there's nothing to it. The market dynamics of Bitcoin beyond there is a greater fool. I I really don't see any other. How do you view like, currency like, trading? Like, How do you view currency trading? Currencies are useful, like things. Like things are priced in currencies. You know, sure. uh, currencies are fiat. They're they're tied to governments and coercive tax systems. There, it, there's a whole. Yeah, but, there's a whole that, okay, but like, you're, you're, you're just like making the argument for Bitcoin here, right? Like, 
No, no, yeah, I'm making it against because I'm not a fucking, you know, one of these uh, Austrian school <laughs> people who think that money things is some hippy dippy shit are, that we just made up. No, money is a coercive, <laughs> totalitarian <laughs> state instrument. Yes. And what if, okay, and so what if you could get around by that? By the transitive property, by the transitive property, if things are priced in fiat and fiat can be priced in Bitcoin and vice versa, does it not stand to reason? That things can be priced in Bitcoin as well, and therefore it has int- whatever interest. Well, be a Bitcoin. Look, is- look, look, the truth is that Bitcoin is priced in fiat. Fiat is not priced in Bitcoin. No one. I mean, you could do the inverse fraction or, or ratio or whatever, but nobody's yeah, looking I mean, up like, the I, price I, of I, fiat. I, I, I would probably- well, hold on, but that 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 suggests that there is no arbitrage between any currency pair and Bitcoin. The, I don't. I don't think that's true. Oh, but there might be arbitrage. You could maybe arbitrage. I'm sure that happens. I'm sure that there are people making money off that. But, uh, but I mean, like, what's wrong with the answer that it has value because people will pay? I mean, like, when, be, look, because look, look. then that's pure. Because then that is. Because then that. Well, how do you There's distinguish between that sus- and tulip mania? What's the difference? Because people. How do you? Look, what I'm saying tulips, is every time. Every time die. I see. Every time I see an article where because tulips die and they're not all the same and they can't be instantaneously transferred. From one side of the world to another. I mean, I paid money for the orchids that are in my living room right now. They're really nice. I mean, like, uh, look, when when a when a when a when a guy in Turkey like goes to the next country over and and pays, they pay in dollars. Why do they pay in dollars? They're, like in, in like or or maybe euros, but like, why would they pay in those? Right? It's neither of their their sort of like quote unquote home currencies. They don't physically do anything useful with like the the $20 American bill in their pocket, but it has value to them. Why? Because it works, right? I'm not saying that Bitcoin is there right now, but I'm saying that it has the features that do enable it to have the potential to be a very useful, nicely spendable form of truly global money slash store of value. And that intrinsically has value because people will use it. Because people will use it. And they'll use it because other people use it. And yeah, I know that's kind of circular, but you know what? That that's kinda that kinda is how money works. Right? And oh and by the way, the cur- currently the tulip trade is valued at three billion euros a year. Just looked it up. So I mean this stuff has va- I mean everything has value. You know, whether it's a bubble or not, sure. I mean people are going go into speculative manias, but you know, again, I'm I'm talking. Yeah, value I'm, is I'm kind more of, subjective, of a, a fan. Right? Val- like, a lot of a lot of valuation is subjective anyway. But sorry, sorry, go on, go on. Yeah, it's it's just kind of yeah, it's just kind of subjective. So I mean, like I mean, I wasn't being I wasn't being flippant either. I I did pay money for the literal orchids, not tulips, in my living room. You know, there's like a few of them, and they're not cheap. So you know, there there is value to this stuff. It's it's whether or not. You know, it's some, it's some kind of speculative bubble. And, you know, I would say that, yeah, if the Bitcoin bubble pops, but then it settles down into some kind of uh, groove or, you know, whatever, whatever the finance term for it is, equilibrium price, um, that then fine, then great. Then we're on to the next chapter of whatever we're dealing with here. Uh, oh, the team leave. Is he around? Are we just oh, talking to ourselves here? I think oh, so. amazing. <laughs> what happened to this guy? Hold on, let me. Uh... You know, he had some uh, connection problems earlier. Oh, maybe he's like rebooting or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this guy's such like a. He, he's. He's. I don't know. He, he. He's. He's so Krugman-y. 
You know, it's it's funny. Um, he gets all the fundamentals, even on the technical yeah, side. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like everything I've brought yeah. up, he he totally yeah. gets. You know, so it's it's interesting that. Yeah, he's very. Teen is very. I don't want to talk to him in third person order. Teen is very, very Krugmany. Very Krugmany. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Like I, I, I just don't get it. How like somebody who 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 kind of sees all the fundamental arguments for it would be like, but this is worthless. It's like no, I mean, you, it, it's it, you know at, at some point Bitcoin's value, Bitcoin's price is proof of value, right? And I think that's kind of true for a lot of currencies. Like you, you need to have certain fundamental features, right? But, oh, hey, Teen's back. Hey. Oh, maybe he just needs like a second. Hello. Hey, sorry, did I, I disappeared there for a sec, huh? Yeah. Okay. Um, I was going off on a whole fucking rant about how, I just don't know how else to think about it, but. Yeah, no, the, about the tulips. Yeah. Um, so I so the the fact that I brought up is the tulip trade today is three billion euros a year. Yeah, but and, of high volumes. I mean, we're talking about. <laughs> come on, that's yes, but that's because people actually want tulips. I mean, you know. Yeah, they do. Yes, they do. Yeah, they're, so they're not, beautiful it's flowers. Not that, it's not that there's no fundamental value there. It's that there, things can go through speculative manias. And they will when they're first discovered or what. No, but the tulip is a thing. It's beautiful. People look at it. There's a use value to it. Yeah, but all Every, of a sudden now tulips have intrinsic value. Like what? Like what are you talking? Like t- two minutes ago you said that they didn't. Not no. No, I'm saying it was a speculative bubble to the point where it was beyond. I mean, literally one tulip bulb cost like you know like three years worth of average wages or something. I mean, it's completely. Okay, so ridiculous. let me let me ask let me ask you can, let me you ask you me? What, what, how do yes. You, Okay. Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, so, okay. So uh, I guess my my just to circle back five minutes, my my fundamental argument about you know Bitcoin, sure, it's the OG, it's the original, but the the, the intrinsic value of this stuff is that it can keep track of stuff better, and you can write software around this stuff to to do that even better, and that that I, that opinion is informed by the last ten or so years of my life where so much of my energy has gone into keeping track of shit that should not have to be manually kept track of that I'm very uh, convinced of the intrinsic value of this particular technology, especially as it pertains to cross, cross country, cross financial institution, cross yeah. you know, yeah. company, cross individual, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah but actually, it, still, it still has to be a symbol of something, right? Like... That's the thing is like, okay, it's a notation, but it's got to be a notation of something. That's why I think stable coins are interesting. But yeah, stable coins enable all sorts of interesting stuff. Yes, I love Stable coins are interesting. Just just to go back to to Mike's point, like, you know, the internet could have, like in in the 90s, you could have said, why are we going to have this big, messy internet thing? Why don't we just like connect up a bunch of intranets between, you know, I don't know, like Bell Labs and JP Morgan? Well, it didn't go that way. It went to an internet model. Right. Why? Because it probably because it scales better, or because it's more open, or something like that. Right. But it, like this is it's almost like the same analog with 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 DeFi on Ethereum and whatnot. The fact that it is open means that everybody can connect to it and everybody can access it, and there is fundamentally just more scaling potential as a result. Right. Like yeah, J.P. Morgan could connect to the bank of you know, some random bank in Turkey, 
directly in theory, but it's just not going to happen or it's just not happening. Right. Or, or, or having these open blockchains will enable that better. Right. And the amount of, the amount of potential is, I would argue is very explosive. Yeah. But I still think we have to talk about Bitcoin differently as a, as a sure. specific yeah, yeah, thing yeah. from yeah. the larger technology. And every conversation I've seen about it seems to conflate the two where it's like, you mean Oh no, no, Bitcoin. Well, Bitcoin and and sort of DeFi generally, okay. But sure. I'm talking about specifically about the market for Bitcoin for BTC. I think is driven by nothing but. I mean, it's driven mostly, vastly by Greater Fool, but it's also driven by I think you know a bunch of whale original holders that have been trying to cash out, you know, slowly over time. And they've engaged in massive market manipulation and wash sales. And I think the price of Bitcoin is massively manipulated. And I think that um, that there is, until there is a robust way to tether Bitcoin to some other real value that everyone can understand, like a Tesla or something like that. Or you mean, wait, sorry, sorry. Do, do you mean to tether Bitcoin to some other currency, or do you no, mean to, to, to be anything, able to spend to anything, Bitcoin, to anything of value to, to be able to spend Bitcoin? Because I, I, I can tell you, like, uh, you, you mean uh, what, until the point that people price something in Bitcoin? Yeah. If right? if Tesla said we are committing to selling you Tesla Model Threes for one Bitcoin, if they did that, and and that and sure, that price sure. wasn't subject to you know fluctuations based on the the USD Bitcoin you know, Bitcoin rate, you know, then you know I what? think you got something there, but they're not going to do I think, that. So. I think Elon Musk is crazy enough to want to do that. I, I just think he's in a system that he, where he can't. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I, and I think all that's of this, the problem. all of this crazy shit that's happening on Twitter and all this stuff and like this Bitcoin mining council or federation or whatever the fuck it is. He's, he's like, I think what he's trying to do is, drive toward like dude this like spacex and starlink that shit is like real like i have friends who have starlink satellites and they have internet in like rural fucking uh you know yeah uh, vermont like that shit's real okay so look yeah he's kind of a fucking nutcase but he's also trying to do crazy shit in the real world i'm not a huge fan i, I would never buy a tesla or you know i mean maybe starlink if i you know bought a ranch house somewhere or a farmhouse somewhere but you know i i think at some point that will happen and then it you know things will start to move in that direction one if that happens and you can you can move from bitcoin to something of value in a stable way then bitcoin ha- is money then it's then it's money i, I, yeah. I think it's all it, it i mean it, it's hard to separate cause and effect here i i think you know for all my uh, my my apparent, I guess I'm out of the closet now as a Bitcoiner. Um, uh, <laughs> belief in Bitcoin, I completely admit that it is far from being a store of value today. It's more of like an option on a potential yeah. store of value. It's very VC. We're in like the VC stage of Bitcoin still, right? Like this this is like Series A, right? Um, where you're you're out of your mom's basement, but you're not yet you're not there yet. The the value of Bitcoin will have to be both much, much higher and much more stable before things can legitimately be priced in it, right? And it might never kind of get there. For example, you know, gold is another analogy, right? Nothing's priced in gold, right? 
unless you can, unless you're talking about like you, you know you can walk around in Hong Kong and buy gold jewelry or something like that. But um, nothing really gets priced in gold. But gold has value. Gold has global recognition. You can you can you can fly with gold bars, right? You make a few questions, but you will you can fly with gold bars and walk over to the other side and uh, sell them for cash. Right or or just hold on right. to them or whatever. Right, like it does have definable value, and gold actually is relatively stable. Right, um, about it, it's relative volatility. I mean, it's kind of high-ish, but it's kind of like, you know, probably about as volatile, a little bit more volatile than say like the British pound. Against you, no one's good. I mean, it has protection against real deflation i mean it, it's it's gold it will always be gold sure yeah it, it's gold right and, yeah. but like why can't bitcoin be that because it has all the aspects of being digital gold as well well because it's right? not just that gold is scarce it's that gold is beautiful gold is something that we like we love we look at it we use it for jewelry yeah it has, yeah, yeah. It, all it true. has all true it doesn't it just yeah, has bitcoin a, doesn't have those like mystique. visceral visceral qualities it can but. it's a number you know yeah, so, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I one, yeah, I, I I I well, I mean, I, I agree with you. I just don't think it's that important compared to like the other feature of Bitcoin, which is it goes instantly. If yeah, I mean, I, I would say it. that th- those those qualities have an outsized effect if there's no internet. But if there is an internet, yeah, then it changes. Then it changes, right? Yeah. Because then Bitcoin yeah. becomes something that co- is quote unquote like the beautiful. world's moving more digital, right? Right. And well, I, it has made probably has some use value there in terms of paying ransoms. And um, uh, I'm not <laughs> it. I'm, I'm saying like, you know, it probably yeah, has some sure. evasive, it has some value as an evasive way of transferring sure. value well, or, into, or sanctions evasion. Because look, if you, if you, yes. yeah, I'm, I'm and saying it has, this and is its like, price is probably stable enough. For people to rely on it to say, look, I, I really don't right, care about but so, but so does volatility cash. when I'm trying to guard against going to prison. right? But, but so does sure. cash, right? And the whole serial number thing is like, look, if these dirty serial number bills stay within the criminal network, then it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it doesn't if, really matter. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. Like, when's, the last time you, when's the last time you checked a serial number on a bill, right? Like you never do. No, but these yeah. these criminals don't want Bitcoin. They want money. They, they, they want to actually go um, buy shit with stuff. They, they want to... They want to buy a house with it. They, that, you know, they want to fund a lifestyle. They don't. They're not believers. They, they just need a way yeah. to transfer money uh, or value around without getting caught. Yeah, well, I mean, sure. that, that depends on the durability of Bitcoin, and it, you know, it, it may be that in order to um, not, what if what if the criminals are the true believers? Like, in in order to not garner attention or attract undue attention, they just keep the Bitcoin in BTC. If they, the, if the criminals. Yeah, I mean, the if the, if the drug smugglers goal. and the child porn guys are the true believers, then you got your answer. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying they're the only true believers. I'm, I'm saying, what if they are true believers and they do all their other, the 90% of their other nefarious shit in real money uh, or real cash, real uh, real assets, whatever, real estate. Well, they got to buy houses. I mean, they got to buy cars. Yeah, exactly. They got to so they're buying, they yeah, so buy they fur coats for their girlfriends yeah, and, you know, shit like that. Yeah, it's not quite like. They got lifestyles to maintain. You can't maintain a lifestyle with Bitcoin. I'm actually a little skeptical of how much Bitcoin is actually used for like criminal nefarious purposes. Right, ninety million bucks in ransom to colonial. Yeah, that's like that's 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 piddly squat. Yeah, 
That's piddly. That's piddly squat in like. I mean, I would say it's pr it's probably less than the ratio of. Uh, like, how many uh, thick bribes the, do you think are get paid in an average month in U.S. dollars, right? Yeah, like, U.S. dollars or euros or fucking. Yeah. Even, what, what, what's the actual cash volume of of trading on Bitcoin? Oh, Bitcoin in a given day. Um, looking at yeah, screen we, right now is about fifty billion in the last twenty four hours. Actual cash. Well, like, this is this is the amount of this is fifty billion dollars of Bitcoin has changed hands on major exchanges in the last twenty four hours. That Whether that's spot? changed hands for cash or changed hands for stablecoin. I mean, how much cash went Ethereum? into the system, like, how, well, like that, or was oh, taken that. out? Uh, is that, that spot no or idea. derivatives also? Because the, der the derivatives. Uh, I think this is just no. This is just this should just be straight spot. Okay. Like, I just want to know how much money actual cash is sort of like actually you mean, like, behind how much fiat? How much fiat went in? Yeah, because yeah, if I trade ask. one Bitcoin, if there yeah. one Bitcoin traded today and it traded at or, or a fraction, there was one transaction in Bitcoin and it yeah, valued yeah. Bitcoin at $65,000, then the market price of Bitcoin sure, is $65,000. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was, there was one. There's, notional, there's, notional spot value of all the transactions on all the exchanges. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, like, look, like, sure, you you can you can you can sort of like window dress a market if it's small. But well, there's, I, I'm always curious if point, I right? had a billion dollars of Bitcoin, you know, yeah. how do I get out of it? How much cash can I hoover up in a day without cratering the price? I don't think uh, it's that uh, much. I don't think it's I, that much, man. I think you, you know you could do a billion. You could do a billion. It's forty. It's forty six billion in twenty four hours, is what yeah. CoinDesk says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a lot you, of money. You, you could do a Volume. billion without crashing the price easily, very easily. That's a lot Where's, of money. You could like honestly money. like you think about the market cap of Tether, right? And there are lots of funds. Okay, here's here's a crazy thing. Tether's done 113 billion today. Tether has done 113 billion today, okay? And there are funds that have moved in and out of Tether again like Tether against physical dollars, like Tether against US Treasury T-bills, okay? In size, like billions. My my Inc. feeling is that a lot of that shit is wash and bullshit. I, I feel like you mean on ex on the exchanges? Yeah, they're doing like wash trades. On There's probably some of that. Like this is this is on you know some of these websites they try to like you know filter out for that kind of stuff. But like my my point is like I'm pretty. You can do a billion, right, of Bitcoin volume without that much without that much issue, right? And you can move a billion in and out of Tether without that much issue, and people do. That's right? a lot of money, man. It's a lot of money. It's a big market. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have no idea of the relative values of these compared to traditional assets. Oh, it's actually compared to traditional assets is very small. Like I, I, I saw something, but like the silver market trades probably like, I don't know, it probably trades like fifty billion dollars a day. It's like freaking silver. Like, hmm. who cares? Crazy. Right? It's, it's silver. Yeah, these financial markets are big. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, to that was a good discussion. I think we should uh, probably wrap it up there. Um, I'm convinced. I guess I'm convinced that there's probably. I'm, I still think Bitcoin is 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 a, is a massive speculative bubble, but I think, and, and I still have a hard time seeing where the discussion leaves Bitcoin aside and the crazy valuations aside, and is talking more about the um, technology. Though I, 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 and I, and I think it's really more about trust, and that I think it'll have international applications. But I agree. I think it's probably in the early stages, not the late stages, right? I think is, is yeah. I is, think so. Is, is we're, we're like nineteen ninety five. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Although All the right. the the paradox of this is that I think you know 
1995 to 2021 in sort of this technological space isn't uh, 26 years, right? On crypto land, it's probably like oh yeah, it's, it's exponential. Like, yeah. It, the, the time is moving faster than it did. Yeah, right? it's compounding. So, yeah, so that's the the one caveat, I suppose. But other than that, I would agree. All right, guys. Um, we'll uh, wrap it up here. Thanks for jumping on. Thanks for listening. Uh, hope it was useful. See ya. See ya.